Sairam dear listeners and welcome to this week's session of afternoon satsang. Today we will be embarking on our fortnight of the Ramkatha Rasavahini, the nectar story of Bhagwan Lord Shri Rama as penned by our beloved Bhagwan and though we are towards the end of the story of the Ramayana there are almost 4 to 5 chapters that we have still not yet covered in the ramkatha rasavahini and uh, it will be indeed interesting to see what all unique perspectives and what different things that swami has provided in these chapters because we often think that with the fall of rama with the fall of ravana the ramayana comes to a close but that is not so uh, we will be taking up from where we had left off in the previous ramayana fortnight that is the preparations are being made for rama and the entourage to take off from lanka to come to ayodhya but before we delve into the story and before i invite brother prem to join us in this satsang we shall contemplate on the sweet name of lord rama contemplate on the beautiful form of the lord that we worship feel the love of the lord in our heart feel his love feel his, feel gratitude towards him in our heart and enjoy this namasmaran after which we will delve into the story shri ram 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 ki rame rame सहस्रनाम तत्ुलमनामरानेमनामरानने you know i was just wondering that this cycle of beginning and ending happens at you know different time periods some things take weeks something takes months something takes years but however long a thing might have a worldly existence it definitely has a beginning and an ending i remember the time when we began the ramkatha rasavahini it looked like such a huge uh, you know a text a manuscript and i don't think any either of us ever imagined a time will come when that will get over <laughs> and we are now towards the ending stages but uh, this lesson that everything that begins will have an ending and that is the way of creation that is the way of life uh, recently got reinforced in me with what we had yesterday at prashanthanilayam that is the immersion ceremony of all the ganesha idols i'm sure that our listeners if they caught the proceedings live on our website would have seen what a magnificent spectacle it was how uh, varied colors and varied shapes of chariots and um, palanquins had been made to take lord ganesha for the immersion it's amazing what struck me was the joy with which lord ganesha was welcomed 
a few days before that on the occasion of Ganesh Chaturthi with the same kind of joy even the immersion ceremony was going on and uh, seeing the immersion the Lord who has come home is sent back and uh, it's quite brutal if you see physically because uh, the idol is immersed into water and becomes one with the elements you know it becomes one with the el- uh, the mud goes back into its original state and the beautiful form is gone what struck me was the joy and celebration that existed in both in the welcoming as well as in the goodbye because though these things exist for us in front of our eyes to see it's so difficult to imbibe them in our own lives i was just thinking that all of us will recall with great joy when we first saw the form of swami when we first met swami but at least for a majority of us swami leaving the physical is not such a pleasant memory and we would like to forget it i think whether it is the ganesh chaturthi ganesha's arrival and the immersion or bhagwan's avatarhood or the ramkatha rasavahini the uh, inherent or the basic message that is being sent to us is arrival and departure coming and going both are transient and temporary we have to rise beyond it and when we rise beyond it and hold on to that which is permanent it is then that we will be able to celebrate the coming as well as the going because that is what swami says jagat is jagat ja means what that which comes gat means that which goes so it is when we hold on to swami it is when we hold on to the ganesha principle it is when we hold on to the god principle or the fundamental basis of everything then alone we will be able to be equanimous and celebrate everything the coming and the going it reminds me of you know what something that swami told in a discourse once hmm? he said if you invite a visually impaired person for dinner right he said you have to put two seats Hmm. Right? Because if you are calling a person who is visually impaired, it goes without saying that he'll come with a person who is helping him, you know, move around. Hmm. So Swami said, similarly, if you are inviting joys, if you are inviting happiness, be sure that along with that, even the grief will come, or you know, with the end of that happiness will come the grief. Hmm. So he said, it's very important to have this in your mind that when there is grief, there is going to be an end to it. When there is going to be happiness, there is going to be an end to it, and. this perspective will itself give you a certain amount of peace which is all about spirituality you know that's what we do it and you know that's the main thing today we are looking at the ramayana and we are speaking of it in a certain amount of a distant manner right you know we are speaking about it like a story it's a story which happened but isn't it full of tribulations isn't it full of uh, you know happiness and sorrow so very quickly repeating itself one after the other be it the ramayana be it the mahabharata even with the the lord right in the middle of the affairs it doesn't change that you know because that mm. is the natural setting there is happiness there is joy there, there is, is nothing like an right. absolute happiness or an absolute sorrow even in moments of uh, what we consider happiness there is sorrow going on i mean uh, take for example the the greatest uh, victory of the ramayana which is the fall of ravana but when we even when we read through the ramkatha rasavahini we realize that the fall of ravana is not actually a great moment of joy because uh, though there is uh, great joy on one side there's an equal amount of sorrow and tremendous sorrow actually on the other side so as you said 
joys and sorrows come one after another and not only do they come one after another even in moments of joy it is not an absolute joy because it is joy for some and not for the others in moments of sorrow also it's not absolute sorrow it almost becomes not almost it is impossible to separate joys and sorrows and as you said they always come together in pairs you know that's why when you look at it sports has given such an importance in, even in the spiritual perspective you know why did swami give so much importance because let's say in, in our day to day interaction with another person we should not rejoice over the other person's loss right mm. that's how we are told you know never be happy about the other person's loss you should sympathize with the person you should empathize with the person but sports is all about one one part of the you know the competitor the competitors uh, failing and the other person person winning mm. there's always that you know we see that there's two let's say a tennis match there's one who is like crying in uh, happiness the other one is disappointed right and there is no difference sometimes between the effort which has gone in on both sides so i think th- that's why sports is so important because it gives us a perfect sampling of life you know there is always the other side to victory the other side to happiness and the ability to take it both with the right amount of you know patience and perseverance i think that's what life is all about and that's what all we learn from all of these stories which keep getting repeated to us over and over again and yet you know uh, though this wisdom is passed on i don't know somehow one can't help <laughs> getting attached you know whether it was the form of swami uh, though intellectually everyone knows that that form can't be there forever still we got attached we miss the form uh it is the same case here also with the ramayana you know even as i am reading through the chapters preparing for the satsang it uh, fills me with a kind of <laughs> what shall i say a kind of nostalgic sorrow that oh my god the ramayana is getting over because it has been so beautiful so uplifting so dear listeners we just hope that uh, you know we keep going back to the ramayana again and again reliving because the ramayana never gets over actually and as the shloka goes we have repeated many times yavat sthasyanti girayah saritascha mahitale tavat ramayani katha lokeshu pracharishyati the story of ramayana will be alive as long as the mountains and rivers are there and as swami has interpreted that mountains stand for masculine and rivers for the feminine so swami says that as long as there are men and women on earth the story of ramayana will reign supreme it is into this supreme story that we are now diving into uh, last uh, last fortnight we saw how vibhishna presented the aerial chariot the pushpaka vimana so that lord rama and his entourage can reach ayodhya quickly and they need not go through the arduous route that they came through if we trace the route that rama followed right from ayodhya till lanka it has taken him nearly two and a half to three years to do the whole thing because you know right. he has traveled from there to i think to panchavati which is from chitrakoot to panchavati via the dandakaranya that is the dandaka forest that itself is a major chunk if we look at the map the political map of india today chitrakoot dham is located somewhere to the south of uttar pradesh mm-hmm. and panchavati is right maharashtra. in maharashtra so that's a good uh, 800 900 kilometers or 1000 kilometers right, right across madhya pradesh <laughs> exactly and that is where dandaka forest was there so it's a great distance that they have covered so in order to uh, go quickly this pushpaka vimana is given and we saw how in the pushpaka vimana there is there are loads of treasures 
all the gems jewels all this the emperor vibhishna is offering to his lord rama but lord rama is not interested in these uh, treasures or jewels or gold or ornaments so he requests that the pushpaka vimana be taken up to the skies and all these ornaments gold and jewels be showered on the vanaras and everyone who is present there this is rama says an act of gratitude on from his part and see uh, what i found interesting was you know prem rama did not say assemble all the vanaras in one side and shower the gold on them you know he just told shower it on everyone because when this happens uh, there might be gold falling even on the rakshasas and people of lanka everything i found that uh, when i read uh, this i was reminded of what swami would say god's grace is like sunshine it falls equally on all those who keep their uh, uh, vessel of their hearts uh, open i mean god's uh, grace is like rainfall it falls everywhere equally but if you keep the vessel of your heart facing the rain it fills up otherwise it doesn't and how much grace you are able to hold also depends on the size of your heart if you are large hearted you get more grace and that is seen over here when rama asks for jewels and gold to be showered on everyone who is there and not just the vanaras or his people but actually very beautifully said but here the situation is a little different because the vanaras have in that sense uh, you know refused the shower of gold because as swami describes hmm. the shower comes and they all pick up the things first they think is you know there is this huge gems which are thrown they think that each one is a fruit hmm. to be eaten and once they find that you know it's made of some hard stuff which you can't even bite into they start discarding them and you know one hand swami says that the uh, it was not of any interest to the the vanaras and the other thing swami says is you know after having spent the time with rama they don't give any value to this and in that sense probably it's it's even a test that you know it's it's symbolic of a test that we get from swami that that wealth is there for the taking for every devotee you know you come and you do the right things uh, you might you might get the grace of uh, wealth but is that the wealth that you come for like we even spoke of mother sita's reaction when vibhishna offers her you know fine clothes and jewelry to wear before she comes in the presence of lord rama she says the only jewel which i you know always seek is rama himself so it's it's almost like symbolic of that uh, predicament which swami puts every devotee through yes my grace is there do you want to encash it as cash or do you want to and you know uh, receive it as grace which will help you you know come closer to the lord the other day i was speaking to brother ashwath narayan and uh, he was saying that uh, on one occasion when swami was upset with all the bhajan singers um, he came and you know apparently there had been some devotee who had complained to swami about how the song or the bhajan quality had fallen or something like that and swami had agreed to that and therefore he was coming and taking the bhajan singers to task and swami happened to mention without mentioning the devotee's name that i got reports also that people are saying they're unhappy with your singing that is when ashwath says that they got up and said swami if your grace is there then none of those things will happen and swami he <laughs> said replied saying that grace is always there but what to do some people are not even fit to eat grass you know uh, where will you appreciate gra- grace when you can't even appreciate grass so uh, reading this you know it really struck Uh, struck me because as devotees of bhagwan or as students of swami or as um, staff of swami when we say that swami is our greatest treasure we want nothing else and we seek swami alone 
एज अ नेचुरल साइड बेनिफिट लाइक हाउ दे से वेन यू सीक नारायणा नारायणाज वाइफ लक्ष्मी ऑल्सो ऑटोमेटिकली कम्स वर्ल्डली ग्लोरी वर्ल्डली बेनिफिट सीम्स टू बी एन ऑटोमेटिक साइड प्रोडक्ट बाई प्रोडक्ट ऑफ गॉड्स ग्रेस इन मोस्ट केसेस एटलीस्ट बट इट रियली इज लाइक अ क्वेश्चन दैट आई वुड लाइक टू आस्क माई सेल्फ वेदर एम आई वाइज इनफ लाइक दैट वानर लाइक दोज वानर अस वेर वी नो दैट all the other material gain or the worldly glory whatever that comes is a side effect but i should not focus on the side effect rather i should focus on holding on to rama i this is a important question that keeps popping up in my head whenever i think of this episode right and that is the episode which happens immediately after uh, as we spoke about the trial of fire which mother sita had to go through but after this you know as we said the time for that exile to get over was coming to an end soon i think if not for that probably rama would not have accepted this free ride on the pushpaka vimana too because that's the only reason probably rama accepted this and uh, surprisingly as we'll come to know later that you know what he does does with that pushpaka vimana is also pretty uh, different from what we usually hear in the other ramayanas but we'll come to that later uh, but before that premino i forgot i just one interesting incident I think we have narrated before, mm-hmm. but um, going by the same theme of you know those jewels being dropped and you know we seeking Swami and uh, there was this time during a Purna Chandra session that uh, Swami was distributing things and stuff to all the students. All the students had gathered down; they were seated, and uh, you know the theme of that day was toiletries. Mm-hmm. A lot of toiletries were being distributed and. and it was random you know there was a bag there were bags that were given and hands would go into the bag whatever comes out is given to each student so what you get just depends on your fate so you might end up with something as posh and interesting as a bottle of perfume or you might just end up with a toothbrush you know so when this was uh, this distribution was happening everybody was uh, you know going on looking at as as to what they got versus what others got and possibly um, some might be feeling bad that you know after all i just got a toothbrush somebody else is feeling happy that i got a shaving foam while somebody else is intermediary intermediate in terms of i got a talcum powder and of course you know this kind of valuation is just based on the marked price of those products so the costly product you get you feel you more lucky you are and all this was going on all this comparison all this contrasting and discussion among everybody so lost were all the students in these comparisons that they failed to notice that swami had actually tiptoed and arrived on stage and suddenly somebody might have noticed and the message was passed and everybody became aware that oh swami is on stage and swami asked a question everybody has got what they wanted uh, so uh, the general answer was definitely yes but possibly there might have been a few <laughs> dissenting voices thinking within that you know i didn't get what i actually wanted and i i just got a toothbrush or so but anyway the general voice was yes swami we got what we what we wanted and then swami asked tell me boys who wants me who wants swami and in that silence swami turned and walked away you know the brother who narrated this episode he was saying that it hit us like a ton of bricks that we were so lost in these comparisons and seeing who got what and who how who has how much we forgot to we failed to notice the lord 
and possibly in our minds at that time we were so preoccupied that none of us actually sought swami and this is a lesson for our lives because everything that we have received we are receiving from swami be it a toothbrush or be it a perfume bottle be it the smallest of things or the largest of things but rather than receive this and feel gratitude in our hearts for swami we are so lost in comparing and contrasting between ourselves as to who has how much and who doesn't have what and whether we are lucky or unlucky that we fail to notice the greatest treasure in our lives which is waiting and you know asking who wants me so you know i just thought it would be relevant to mention this episode here because whatever be our circumstance position or place in life it is not worth asking for anything else other than the greatest which is swami himself and absolutely in fact you know there is with swami i think there was another thing which probably even devotees will be able to relate to it yes whatever swami gives as you said you know the toothbrush is as valuable as probably a diamond ring which swami would have given because it's been given by swami but when we look at it as did swami give me 5 minutes or did swami give me 1 hour hmm. right are we able to see that 5 minutes as equivalent to that 1 hour Just I like a toothbrush right, equal to I spent 5 minutes in swami's presence and somebody spent 5 decades can i say that both came from swami so each one is as valuable as the other hmm. i mean i really can't do that <laughs> let's be honest with that but you know that is what actually swami speaks of in the ramayana because when we when we came to the point of shabari swami we played a discourse clip where swami does that beautiful like, comparison between guha and uh, you know shabari he says that each one won the lord's grace in their own way but you know how much was shabari's effort towards that few minutes that she spent in rama that you know that in that few minutes she actually got rama more than anybody else probably you know and i think that's what mean even as you saying that that's what i was thinking are we able to really ask for that true swami when swami said who wants me no, that's a really very interesting twist and explanation because uh, see let's face it even in the worldly sense um, there were times there are times when uh, we we value a diamond ring more than vibhuti for example because not even if we have gone beyond the monetary value let's say uh, vibhuti is just ash versus a ring is gold with diamond even if we have gone beyond that simply because vibhuti will be consumed and will be gone right and the ring will stay on so it is uh, relatively permanent of course there have been occasions when a ring is lost within a month of swami giving that's a different story but relatively it's permanent so even in those objects we have a kind of gradation thinking that a person who receives this is luckier than a person who receives this is luckier than a person who receives nothing so to extend that to the more deeper realms to the more subtle realms and see that one minute with swami or 1000 minutes with swami are equally important are equal because it is with swami so the quantity doesn't matter it's only the quality like how swami says that whether you taste one drop of the ocean or the or a mug of the ocean or a bucket of the ocean you know the taste and that's all matters because it's a qualitative experience here so it's a very 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 difficult thing to inculcate and practice in our lives but i feel we have to do that if we have to progress towards peace and joy right and the entire ramayana is filled with such instances because you know even as you are describing the journey which rama made it's one thing to talk of it as a story you know this is where rama went to panchavati and he went there but all through if we keep it in mind that here is god who has come down in a human form 
and going back to those many discourses which we started the entire Ramayana with, where Swami says the very idea that, uh, you know, God takes a form is the ability to relate and to touch, you know, the lives of devotees. That's precisely what we have seen, you know, all through this journey, be it the lofty rishis like Bharadwaja and the others like Agastya, whose uh, ashrams he has stayed in, or simpletons like that uh, Kevat or Guha, Guha, or the Rakshasas whom he has touched, or even those Rakshasis who were uh, friendly towards Mother, Mother Sita. Sita, all these Vanaras who fought by the side of Rama. You know, these are the many lives which Rama has touched. Probably we'll never go back to that part of the story of what happened to them after this entire episode. Mm-hmm. But I think you can, we can say it with a bit of confidence that their lives wouldn't have been the same after this. Absolutely. Right? And so, you know, Rama takes off in the aerial chariot and as they're flying, uh, Swami describes how there's an imperial throne right in the Pushpaka Vimana itself. And there Rama is seated on the throne to his left is Mother Sita. The other Vanaras have been told to return. Only a few uh, blessed ones, you know, like uh, uh, Angada, I think uh, Sugriva, Hanuman, Vibhishana. Some of these uh, Vanaras and Jambavan, the bear. Um, Vibhishana is the king of uh, Lanka. These people are accompanying Rama to Ayodhya. The rest of the Vanaras, most of them actually, Rama expresses his gratitude to them. He tells them that he he will be there for them throughout their lives. This is amazing, you know. This only shows the divine aspect of Rama. Because when Rama is promising, he is promising here not only as the Chakravarti, not only as the emperor of the place, but also as uh, a divine being. And this will get highlighted later on. So I will reserve it for that part. But he tells them all to return home. And so with sad hearts, they all return home. Uh, I was thinking this would be like when Swami would go to Kodaikanal at the end of the visit when he has to return back to Prashantinilliam. Yes, the people in Kodaikanal, <laughs> you know, they feel that kind of uh, pangs of separation from Swami. These, these are the kind of pangs that these Vanaras would have felt. So Rama takes off and as they are flying across the subcontinent to reach Ayodhya, Rama describes the different places and what happened in those places to Mother Sita because she had been kidnapped, right? And she had no idea what happened. So, he shows her the battlefield where um, Lakshmana fought Indrajit, shows her the uh, bridge that had been built by the Vanaras, the Kishkinda, kingdom of Kishkinda to, to which all the Vanaras and bears are returning to. And of course, just like Rama made stops at various hermitages on his way towards Lanka searching for Sita he also makes stops at the same hermitages possibly to express his gratitude and that I feel is a sign of a real uh, real wonderful human being you know because very often when we are down and out in the dumps we seek help and blessings and favors from many and once we reach a position that you know, here now Rama is now the emperor of the entire realm. He's going to return and he's going to get crowned as the king. At such situations, only a few people who have helped you, possibly who have helped in the, who have done the maximum help in terms of the quantum of help, only them you possibly might remember. 
but rama remembers each and every one so therefore in dandakaranya the pushpaka vimana lands and uh, like agastya and the others rama visits all the hermitages to express his gratitude very friend in fact you know, it reminds me of what uh, sami would say especially when people would write letters to sami about their problem or would have told sami personally in the mandir and sami will tell okay i'll take care of it but many of them will not come back and tell sami when the problem is solved and sami will ask you know hey, what happened you told me about this and then that person will say yes sami that's been sorted and then sami will say you never told me hmm. right you no know, we all know that sami is all knowing but still we feel comfortable telling sami our problem right correct but when the problem gets solved we think that anyway sami knows right and sami would point out to that saying that you didn't tell and sami would there are times when sami would read out letters which uh, people have written in gratitude saying that sami this problem has been solved and sami will read it out saying that this person wrote back like this because it's it's just that you know sami does not need your gratitude sami does not need your acknowledgement that the grace has come but sami wishes that you express it because it's good for you as mm. we have always said it and that's precisely what rama is showing here you know going back to each of these places and saying that you know this is you remember i went past this we asking about you know my wife have, this is what has happened and the problem has been solved and i thought i'll tell you all and thank you for your efforts it's almost like that uh, mm. gesture of gratitude right and he uh, stops also at chitrakuta chitrakuta means he is very close to ayodhya right. at chitrakuta and finally uh, he comes to the place where the prayag is there you know where the three rivers ganga yamuna saraswati are meeting and that is a spot actually which belongs to the shefton guha so guha is eagerly waiting there he has got the premonition that rama is coming and his eyes fill up with tears as he sees rama landing there uh because rama stops at guha also you know he is expressing his gratitude to guha also as i was reading this i also happened to open up a map of india and look at these places and it's so wonderful for example if we look at chitrakoota dham mm-hmm. chitrakoota dham is now a municipality in uttar pradesh and it's wonderful there are so many spots because uh chitrakoota was a place where rama lived for 11 years apparently right. of the 14 years then he spent an year or so traveling till panchavati and it's at panchavati that mother sita gets kidnapped so both at chitra uh, chitravati i'm saying chitrakuta and panchavati there are many many spots related to rama and sita and the ramayana so uh, i was reading it's very interesting at chitrakuta dham there is a, a bharata kupa apparently the well in which the waters that were used for the coronation of rama after being distributed as tirtham you know bharata poured the remaining water you know apparently he had got waters from all the rivers mm-hmm. and that water was used to bathe rama after that the water that remained they were poured into that well so people considered holy to have bathed there there is also the place where uh, guha is supposed to have ferried rama across and to this day apparently they have that tradition so since guha was a hunter and uh, he used to live amongst the wild beasts and things uh, in the boats as they ferry you across the ganges apparently there are rabbits in the boats eating uh, carrots mm. and you yeah. can play so <laughs> uh, you know this is how rama would have done he might have played with a few rabbits it's all beautiful the, the spot where uh, there's a place called janaki kund mm-hmm. where uh, mother sita apparently used to take bath and there also uh, there are two foot impressions which they say is of mother sita then a spot from where the entire region is seen so beautifully of course 
now the natural view is gone and it has been replaced with modern constructions but that is a rock where rama sita used to apparently sit and look over and spend their evenings and nearby there's a rock on which lakshmana would sit guarding them so it's so beautiful just reading the ramayana and reading all that it you know it generates a desire in one's heart that uh, one should go start off from ayodhya and trace the entire route that rama followed up till rameshwaram in the south of india it will be a great journey in every way you know apart from apart from the obvious benefit of it being associated with rama one will get to see the culture and traditions of the entire country almost because that is how it spans the journey spans the entire country from the north to south it's indeed very interesting just reading about this journey and just wondering how fantastic it will be if we can make this pilgrimage possible it might take a month or so to do it that's the beauty in fact one of the uh, western writers writes about this mm. that, uh, just that distance which you say about from north to south the cultural difference is so stark you know there's so much difference mm. from the dressing style the languages from the way the food you know the way they behave the way the, the family structure is the society structure is all of it is so different but the story of ramayana and the reverence to ramayana is so very intricately you know built into all of these societies and cultures and literally it's it's a story which holds this entire land together absolutely prem you know uh, like uh, this saturday i had been to uruvakonda just to do some kind of a recce over there because that place is so dear to us because that is where swami grew up that is where he was apparently stung by a scorpion that is where he declared i am sai baba the the rock manasa bhajare guru charanam on which he sat and sang that has been converted into a beautiful mandir shila mandiram it's fantastic so when we went there uh, we got hold of some guides to tell us generally about uravakonda not mm-hmm. swami related uravakonda generally about uravakonda we i think in satyam shyam sundaram we covered that story as to uh, it got its name from uragakonda because right. there's a snake uh, a hillock that is shaped like the hood of a snake, snake. Right. so i started with that and the guide says yeah you know from where this rock came i said i don't know he said when hanuman was carrying the sanjeevani parvat and flying mm-hmm. across this slipped off that <laughs> parvat and fo- and it mm. has fallen so as you said the ramayana is a story that really holds this whole land together i mean even a place that is remotely connected to the ramayana like uruvakonda has a connection to the ramayana so indeed ramayana is a story that stitches the entire bharat together as one right that's the beauty in in fact uh, sometime back i was listening to uh, i mean seeing a video where a westerner is speaking about the interesting facts about india and he says this you know for 100000 years this country has not conquered any other land right hmm. but there have always been wars in between these kings who have been living here but it was never considered as one you know uh, india trying to conquer another land or something because inherently we always felt this is one land in spite of it being ruled by so many kings internally Mm. and i think that is possible only because of this you know the cultural unity or this spiritual unity which was brought about because of these epics we always saw this entire subcontinent as one as belonging to one nation and you know the culture which really was uh, based upon these epics like uh, why could rama come all the way to rameshwaram and come to lanka and say tell ravana that what you're doing is wrong what you doing is morally wrong and i have the authority to question you it's because of that moral order which was so unanimous and so homogeneous in this 
in this land you know it was the same even for the monkeys even in the kishkinta rama could go and ask wali how did you how can you you know take possession of your brother's wife that moral order was so common even you know in the animal kingdom that's almost that's how beautifully this whole thing has been held together by this you know the the dharmic tradition of the ramayana and it reminds me of a statement that swami would often mention crediting uh, max muller mm-hmm. from germany right he would say that max muller said that there is dharma in the dust of bharat there is satya in the air of bharat there is shanti and prema in the waters of bharat you know really one can feel that as one goes through the ramayana and as you said one goes through the immense unity that exists in spite of such a great diversity that exists in this land called bharat moving back to the story as we said rama's uh, the aerial chariot pushpaka vimana lands at guha's place and guha is thrilled he is just thrilled he comes and immediately falls at the feet of rama worships his feet takes padna namaskar everybody gathers it's a homecoming for them and they have spent the last 14 odd years just waiting for this moment when rama will come back and guha is so thrilled that you know he's going to get this opportunity again to ferry rama across and uh, as soon as they land rama and sita and lakshmana they go they have a bath in the holy ganges and in the meanwhile the interesting th- thing that you said about the pushpaka vimana rama decides that he will no longer need the services of the pushpaka vimana because once he crosses the ganges the kingdom of ayodhya begins i mean the kingdom of ayodhya is very huge possibly the capital city of ayodhya right. begins once you cross the uh, river sorry, so yeah. he decides to um, it's, sorry, it's the ganga the ganga, ganga. Right. the sarayu is in ayodhya right so but the capital city itself is big it comes till the uh, the outskirts of the city is near right. ganga so once he crosses the uh, once he reaches guha's place guha is anyway going to take uh, charge of the crossing so he sends back the pushpaka vimana to kubera who is uh, considered the right. original owner and also he is considered as the god of wealth he is considered as the half brother of ravana half brother or half father i think half brother half brother, half right. brother of ravana and so the aerial chariot is returned back to its rightful owner it just shows that in the end injustice will never prevail justice will always prevail truth always triumphs that's what we are seeing in the ramayana uh it might get a bit delayed in our perspective but from the divine perspective there is nothing like a delay there is nothing like a denial everything happens at its perfect time each action has to have its reaction and one has to face the consequences that's what happens so therefore even pushpaka vimana is goes back to its rightful owner and what a blessing just imagine uh, prem uh, somebody steals your car and that car you don't have it for a few years at the end of it that car is gifted to swami and swami travels in that car and then gives back the car to you imagine what your thrill will be you will be grateful to the person who stole the car from you that's exactly how kubera must be feeling because his pushpaka vimana comes back to him being blessed by the presence of rama and mother sita in it right very true in putting that what you said and what you said before that about uh, everything has comes to a logical good conclusion however bad it is definitely kubera now will not look at the pushpaka vimana as something stolen by ravana but as something blessed by rama right 
and you know, he has lost something which probably is material but he's got something which is literally divine hmm. typically if you look at a devotee's life let's say that a devotee has gone through a, a period of a very very bad illness let's say is contracted cancer or something like that you know at the end of it let's say miraculously swami saves that person he will not look at his life as something which had a disease he will look at his life as a blessing from swami right and if I mean what a beautiful attitude it is to have to say that you know when we have a problem saying that my life is not filled with problem but my life is filled with solutions which swami has given or is going to give hmm. that i think that is what will differentiate a devotee from anybody else and uh, i think uh, i don't know whether it is before he comes to guha or after that he stops over at sage bharadwaja's ashram right oh, there is a stop over it. it it was right. before he comes before to guha before he comes to guha and uh, i think in one of his discourses swami mentions that mm. at this point bharadwaja kind of completely gives up all his uh, you know life as a sage because one thing which many of these sages in this time were doing were through their penance they were actually collecting a lot of weapons and armory too like in the case of vishwamitra vishwamitra also comes and offers all his uh, weapons you know, to rama. To rama swami says that even bharadwaja does that here and swami explains that it's a symbolic thing like you know even even if you're a spiritual master even if you're a spiritual aspirant there is a certain amount of doership which accumulates when you uh, indulge yourself in sadhana so when when you say that when swami says that bharadwaja offered all those weapons at rama's feet Swami says that it's almost like the end of even that spiritual journey where you offer all that has accumulated even through that uh, path of spirituality to the Lord back to where it belongs. It's almost like you've cleared yourself of debts, worldly as well as spiritual, and you're ready to go beyond. You know, and uh, as you said, these sages they did that, and once Rama finishes visiting them, they are ready to leave the earth. We had uh, started off. the ramkatara savaini stating that there are uh, many evolved souls who need not actually devolve themselves to come as beings on earth but they choose to do so because they want to be around when the avatar is around and uh, these sages are such souls who have come possibly with the sole purpose of being with rama so once that is complete there is no need for them to stay any longer and uh, reading this right now the thought that comes to my mind is can we also be like those sages those sages collected weapons and gave rama because they knew that ultimately the purpose of the rama avatar was to fight uh, there uh, in lanka against ravana so all the weapons i can amass i will do this as my seva not that rama can't do it but i get the opportunity and privilege of doing the seva in the same way we want to do swami has clearly said that this avatar has not come with bow and arrow but has come with only one weapon the weapon of love to bring about transformation so i feel if we want to be like those sages we too should you know like how those sages did sadhana and penance to win those weapons which they could offer to the lord we too should do sadhana and tapas to win love love to inculcate that love so that we can offer this love to our lord because as swami has said this avatar the weapon that he has come is with divine love and absolutely i think that's a beautiful thought to go with because even the weapons definitely rama does not need it is just that you know the act of giving up all that you hold dear whether it is spiritual wealth or it is material wealth mm. and you know after this of course the episode where guha is given the opportunity again to ferry rama over uh, 
you know, the Ganges. But as Swami narrates this point, Swami says that it's almost like the last day of that 14 years. So probably, you know, they might get delayed in the process of all these pleasantries being exchanged here. And at this point, actually, Rama sends Hanuman ahead of the entire party to, to go and meet Bharata. But I think instead of we narrating that incident probably we'll play a small discourse where Swami talks about this incident of yeah, this uh, you know Hanuman going ahead and informing Bharata. And this is from the discourse? And this is again from the 1996 Samuko series which was about the Ramayana and this is the discourse which Swami delivered on 28th of May 1996. As you are reaching Ayodhya, 14 years ended exactly to the date. Bharata was ready for the The moment I pass a second after 14 years, I will not live. Because you was there in Agastya There was some delay. Bharata was ready in front of the fire. He was about to jump into the fire. And Hanuman is sent there to reach the spot very fast. Therefore, the fastness with which wind moves is faster than the fire. I may be delayed for some reason. So Hanuman, you go very fast and communicate this message. Bharata was waiting and ready with all preparations. Here we have to understand two truths here. Bharata stands for devotion and surrender. Lakshmana is the Lord of the service. Lakshmana worshipped the God with form. The one worshipped the one without a form. Day and night he is as safeguarded Rama and Sita. For 14 years he never slept. The, the one of sacrifice, the one who worshipped God with form is Lakshmana. Bharata worshipped God without form. The inhabitants of Ayodhya never looked at Bharata. He built a small hut in that Nandi village and ruled the kingdom. Bharata's mind concentrated on Rama. Lakshmana surrendered his body to Rama. That is the difference between the two. He has surrendered his body to Rama. I am your servant. Make use of me in every possible way. I don't have any other thing. I am your sixth life principle. Bharata is not like that. I have no body. I am in you. He went on thinking of Rama all the while. Nor of the Brahman becomes a Brahman himself. As Bharata went on thinking of Rama for 14 years, he looked like Rama exactly. He went in a chariot along the shores of Sarayu River. 
మృకు అపరామ భక్తి ఎంతో గొప్పరాతి గల భరతుడు చూచాడు అందరూ భరతునికి మాలను వేయడానికి వచ్చారు ఇంటెలిజెంట్ భరత తత్వాన్ని చక్కగా గుర్తించి భరతుడు అన్నగారు వెనుక విన్నారు వారికి వేయండి అన్నాడు భరత అండర్స్టూడ్ అప్పుడు అతను రాముడు ఇతను భరతుడు అని అందరికీ తెలిసింది భరత పాయింటెడ్ అవుట్ టువర్డ్స్ రామా దెన్ పీపుల్ అండర్స్టూడ్ ఇది రామా అంత సూక్ష్మ బుద్ధి కలిగినటువంటి వారు ఆ సోదరులు అందరూ దైవాంశ సంభూమితులే ఎవరు సామాన్యులు కారు was the beautiful episode that swami has narrated in his own inimitable style it's a very inspiring thing because uh, bharata is a nirguna pasaka he is uh, worshiping the formless aspect because the form of rama is not with him while uh, lakshmana is a saguna pasaka in the sense he is worshiping the form itself because rama is always with him in spite of this at the end it is not lakshmana who begins to resemble rama but bharata who is resembling rama it's amazing that a person who is following the formless takes on the form of rama himself it's like so much he has been lost in the thought that there is nothing differentiating him from rama because for lakshmana there is a separate form of rama that he can worship that he can uh, serve that he can take care that he can do whatever but since bharata doesn't have it bharata's himself becomes in you know when swami says nen i am in you i am within you that is what has happened to bharata it is very very relevant in today's times when we don't have the opportunity to do this saguna pasaka to do the worship of the form the way lakshmana did of course there are other ways of saguna pasaka saguna pasaka doesn't mean that you worship only swami's form and since swami form is not there we can worship swami's form via photographs via idols all that way also basically finding an external representation for the lord that is saguna pasaka like how we do for ganesh chaturthi though ganesha is just an idol there but we do prana pratishtha which means inviting life into that idol and then offer food to the idol offer water offer a bed offer everything so that is also saguna pasaka so this shows that you know when you move from uh, worshiping the form to worshiping that worshiping that principle as being present everywhere there is no difference between you and that principle and that is what swami is beautifully narrating here he says that bharata understands the dilemma of the people of ayodhya who are you know in a celebratory mood they are waiting to welcome because uh, right uh, 24 hours before the whole of ayodhya has been in such a 
सैड स्टेट फोर लोन स्टेट फॉर फोर्टीन इयर्स यू नो स्वामी डिस्क्राइब दट इन द रामकथा रसवाहिनी एवरीबडी हेज बिकम थिन बिकॉज दे आर नॉट ईटिंग वेल एंड दो देर इज प्रॉस्पेरिटी नो बडी सीम्स हैप्पी बिकॉज इफ गॉड इज नॉट देर how much of a prosperity you may have it's no use and now they're so happy so thrilled because whatever may happen our rama is back that's enough for us so they are waiting to throw flowers on rama sing celebratory songs for rama but they're not able to make out which is rama now and bharata swami says he sukshma buddhi he has got that subtle intelligence and therefore he immediately turns and starts bowing down to rama touching his feet swami writes that in the ramkatha rasvahini also that do rama tries to stop Bharata and Shatrughna repeatedly fall to his feet over and over again and he he also you know ultimately gives up because he can't stop them from falling at his feet and because Bharata is falling at Rama's feet the citizens of Ayodhya get to know who is Rama and who is Bharata that is a right and, and this episode of Bharata taking on the form of Rama is Swami would explain the you know very beautiful spiritual significance of that but before that we we've, we've told as you said rama has entered ayodhya how can we not have the celebration there you know because that moment would have really really been so beautiful after 14 years to for all of them to see rama that he has kept his promise and he has come back because you know with with all the things which happened in lanka as we said there was always that temptation which even lakshmana had of settling down in lanka so and they all knew that rama would have had a little bit of hesitation because of you know why not let bharata rule because if he comes back surely bharata will give the kingdom back to him maybe they would have had all of these doubts in their mind so they would really been happy to see rama sita and lakshmana come back so we'll take a short break dear listeners we'll play a short song which really describes the scene of jubilation which must have engulfed the city of ayodhya when we come back we will talk about probably the crowning of rama in the throne of ayodhya Ayore 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 बंधु लखन रे हो के आत्मा राम आयो राम आयो बन में आनंद छायो
मत करने उत्सुक है मुनि जन रे रोम रोम में राम बसे अब हर्षित है तन मन it's a long entourage that has come to welcome rama because even as bharata finds out that rama is coming as swami described in the discourse clip he comes in the chariot but before that there is such an elaborate preparation that is made reading the description in the ramkatha rasavahini i was reminded of the preparations that uh, the citizens the students everybody at puttaparthi would make when swami would be returning either from vrindavan or from kodaikanal It's exactly the same way. Uh, Bharata first goes and tells the queen mothers and everyone in the palace to get ready, and information percolates from the top to the bottom. That's what happens. That's what would happen in Parthi also. Somebody at the top would receive the message that Bhagwan is starting off tomorrow, and within no time the information would have percolated. Everybody would be, would be knowing it, and there Bharata summons all the four divisions of the army. that is the cavalry the infantry then the chariots and the elephants you know everybody the, all the four divisions of the army are decked in great finery and everybody is excited so so it's like it's like a you know a holiday for ayodhya there because everybody is engrossed and spending their time and energies in welcoming rama i'm sure you remember prem that is what would happen in parthi also because the classes would get cancelled all the students would get ready there would be boys practicing the bhangra and the different dances and costumes would be put on and that is from the student side but everybody from their side would have their own preparations the singers would sing the welcome song the veda chanting would begin in the mandir and that's what happens you know if you just imagine the days of swami coming that's exactly what's happening in ayodhya because uh, swami writes of how priests in a high pitch are chanting the vedas there is welcome song that is going on and uh, the citizens also you know here if we see the puttaparthi citizens everybody would draw rangoli a kind of a uh, drawing on the road on the main road itself from airport till prashantinilyam i think at radio sai we have one or two uh, footages of the same also more than 200 to 300 rangolis people would draw mm-hmm. with a colored powder and put colored powder in different designs and add flowers onto that and even as swami's car would pass by people would throw flowers all the shops would be deserted everybody would be on the streets so 
I say we should be grateful to Swami because of which we will, we are able to easily understand how it must have been at Ayodhya when the Lord arrived. Right, you know, uh, talking about this in that episode in that discourse which we played before we took a break, uh, Swami was telling about how Hanuman is sent ahead. I remember one discourse of probably when Swami was talking to us in Thrai, Swami mentioning this, that Rama tells Hanuman, you know, he is on the banks of the river, he has not yet entered the city, and uh, on the other side of the bank of the river actually, and he tells Hanuman that you go and tell Bharata that I am coming, and Rama tells Hanuman you observe him properly, even for a second if you find that his expression changes, hmm. that you know, there is a little bit of sadness that... I'm going to give up my throne now or even a little bit of hesitation in in his reaction. Then you come back immediately to me and tell me, I'll go back to the forest this way. Right? And Swami would say that that was the amount of you know, detachment which Rama had. At no point there was, you know, the, all the joy that we are describing, that was never in Rama because, because he's going to go back and become the king again, uh, which he was, you know, rightfully was his own. That, that trace of that was never in uh, Rama because... As we've always seen in Swami, you know, when, when Swami would say that statement that your bliss is my food, Swami would say, Swami really meant it. You know, Swami's happiness would really feed on the happiness of others. When Swami would give happiness to others, and when people would be happy, that's what will give Swami happiness. It's not, it's not the happiness which was, which was, uh, you know, which Swami would get on doing something. It's literally like that because when, when you describe that scene of Ayodhya, the happiness which Rama would have felt would have been the happiness which is reflected from the happiness of Bharata and Shatrugna and all the citizens of, uh, you know, Ayodhya. It was not that I am coming back to my hometown and I am going to become the king now. Because imagine that he says that even the slightest hesitation, Bharata tell me I will go back to the forest. But when Hanuman goes, the way Swami describes that scene, he sees that that 14 years has really taken a toll on not only the citizens of Ayodhya, but on Bharata too. Especially on Bharata. Especially on Bharata, because he sees that there is not an image of a king in Bharata, because he's lost so much weight. As Swami says, he, it is like he has spent the 14 years in the forest. And the moment the news is broken to him, he's immediately he breaks down into tears of happiness. And it, is, it is evident that even Rama would have lost weight like Bharata, because otherwise why will people get confused? You know, and, and, uh, and in fact, you know, Swami says that Hanuman is so happy to see Bharata this way. In the Ramakatha Raswani, Swami says that he is happy to see that Bharata has lost so much weight and he is... That's you know, exactly, finding. you know, a description of divine love, I feel. Worldly love celebrates when you benefit in the body and the mind. Divine love celebrates when you benefit at the level of the heart, at the level of the soul. And that is why, though Bharata is appearing emaciated, Hanuman is celebrating because he knows that Bharata has indeed achieved phenomenal heights and phenomenal glory in terms of his love for Lord Rama. And that is why Hanuman feels such a delight and he's in guise of a Brahmin. And uh, he knows that Bharata is like a thirsty traveler in a desert thirsting for news about Rama. So, as a Brahmin, in the form of the Brahmin, Hanuman directly starts relating, you know, that Rama has won victories, he has done this, he has achieved, he is back and Bharata is simply thrilled. Like when you are dying out of thirst in a desert, when suddenly you hear the first few, when you hear the drops of water, you don't care whether it's coming from a pipe, from the rain or from, you know, from where it's coming. You just want to drink that first. That is the case here with Bharata. He just wants to drink in. 
it's after he drinks in all this and he is joyous he is wondering what is the source of this who is this person who is telling this you know that's what happened as i said once you drink water you are slaked your thirst now then you say okay no was it a good source of water will it result in some problem for me is it a trusted source all this these questions come to bharata later and that is when hanuman reveals himself and he says don't you recognize me you had actually shot me down a few days back when i was uh, carrying that sanjeevni parvat and it's a joyous reunion and bharata is bharata is lost you know in joy because for him this brahman in front of him is like an epitome of rama himself so all that he would have possibly done to rama he he dives at the feet of hanuman and hanuman is uh, trying to push him away but that doesn't happen because bharata is so thrilled and another thing that struck me about bharata you know which shows which shows his selflessness and love for rama is he's pining to know about rama tell me what all rama did tell me what happened what did how how did rama complete his mission how did he uh, spend his time he wants to know more and more and more from personal experience i have seen prem like uh, suppose i am hoping that swami will pick me up for a kodaikanal trip and i i can be a part of the entourage and i don't get to be a part of that i've had many chances because six times i've hoped <laughs> waited and hoped as a hopeful and i've not got that opportunity when that happens you know my first reaction would be as swami leaves for kodaikanal rush home go away home because if you are in parthi you will get update from kodaikanal <laughs> and when you when i used to hear things that are happening in kodaikanal honestly speaking i would feel such a sense of you know such a pang of you know it was not it is not joy it is not joy about listening to swami i'm listening to swami so let me feel joyful it was not that honestly speaking it used to be pangs that oh god i'm missing all this so therefore i don't want to hear about it you see because there is selfishness i want to receive it you know if i go to kodaikanal and see it it becomes special rather than you tell me what i see it is not like if swami materializes uh, uh, rudraksha mala it is same if he materializes in my presence it is special if you read in my absence then i feel oh god i missed it and it actually creates a heartburn in me that used to be the case and that happens when there is selfishness but in bharata's case there is absolutely no selfishness you know because if he listens to all the stories and glories of rama you know he can actually burn within thinking of all that he missed but that is not happening at all because the more he hears he simply seems to feel joy that that i feel you know is a that statement where swami writes in ramkatha rasavani where bharata is saying tell me tell me all that has happened i feel that in itself shows how selfless and pure is the love of bharata in talking about uh, this incident of him taking on the form of ramayana swami would explain that through a spiritual process which swami would say that every devotee has to go through as swami would say salokyam samipyam sarupyam leading on to sayojyam which means salokyam is when you have the opportunity to live in the presence of the lord you know when uh, be it in the time of an avatar even the ability to be in the time of an avatar or to live uh, in puttaparthi when swami is here or to you know be a member of sai sanidhi or whatever it is that is the opportunity opportunity of salokyam and swami would say after salokyam comes when you're given the opportunity of salokyam you have to pine to be near the lord and that will give you that nearness which is samipyam and then swami says sometimes that samipyam will be removed or you know a time will come when that you have to go beyond that samipyam your pining should take you to the state of sarupyam swami would say that you think so much of the lord you miss him so much you pine so much you you know him take him taking away his presence from you does not take away 
his thoughts from you it only increases that the amount of times you think of the lord you think of him so much that you reach the state of sarupyam like bharata even though the samipyam was removed from him after after getting salokyam and samipyam suddenly that samipyam is removed that nearness is removed but he pines so much and thinks so much of the lord sami says he gets the state of sarupyam where you know his form becomes similar to the form of the lord mm. and sami says that is a very very necessary step before you go to sayujyam or in a final merger and i think that is a very very important lesson for all of us extrapolating that same statement a little bit more uh, i feel when we think of sarupyam it is a trib- i mean it is obviously a glorious thing what bharata has done that he begin to resemble uh, rama the question might be asked now do i have to <laughs> resemble swami does it mean that hundreds of devotees start looking like swami that's where i feel the metaphorical aspect of ramayana comes into play we need not physically look like swami but when somebody comes in our presence they should feel the same joy same expansiveness same calm same peace that they felt in swami's presence i feel that is what is meant by becoming like swami exactly imbibing his qualities right. i was actually just coming to that because okay. when swami says sarupyam swami says you take on the form of the lord and i'm sure this confusion will come in our minds that swami kind of sensed it that's why swami would say love is my form so if you really have to take the form of swami it's just that love as you're saying that anybody coming to our presence should feel that same love that they felt in swami's presence and that is the true sarupyam in in today's times it's not it's not about us changing to that attire and probably growing a long hair uh, you know like that beautiful afro style hair that swami had it's not that as you're saying that it's that sarupyam it's that form that swami wants all of us to have earned through that pining that we have for swami and you know as rama comes uh, to the kingdom he has brought along an entourage from the uh, war uh, from the war front so there's a lot of introductions that happen you know uh, sugriva hanuman then um, jambavan vibhishana vibhishana is an emperor of a neighboring kingdom so all these are introduced and from the ayodhya side the mothers especially kausalya sumitra kaikeyi because the father the emperor that dasharatha is no more there and bharata has already been introduced when he comes so the mothers are introduced and swami writes that once they meet the mothers all the people who have accompanied rama they want to fall at the feet of the mothers because they are worship worthy for having given birth to a being like rama and also the brothers you know uh, lakshmana bharata shatrugna because each one is as glorious and great as the other in their love for rama so they all prostrate at the feet of the mothers and this kind of introduct- introductions uh, take place on both sides after which rama is very very concerned about the accommodation and arrangements made for the these vanaras who have come again you know i always <laughs> this part while reading i just couldn't help but think of because i have got the chance of being with swami on one visit and having seen swami it feels so similar you know 
even swami would be concerned about the welfare and accommodation of the vanaras who accompanied him you know <laughs> even when he went to hadshi before checking his own room swami would ask about the room that have been given for us the boys what is the food where will we be sleeping it's amazing prem because one would think that having reached the si- the economic size that the organization is currently in uh, these things will be taken for granted but no it would not be we would see that even at a physical level amongst everyone present there the one with the most concern and uh, the one who could still see some faults in the hosting would be swami and he would add things and make up for things and even at a stage when swami was confined to the wheelchair and could not you know move about as freely or in quotes independently as he would have liked it was still swami who would take all the pains of being a perfect host though he was the revered guest in whichever place he went exactly we have heard it so many times from people like professor anil kumar you know where swami would keep a closed uh, I mean closed look on the food which is being served and <laughs> and the eye on you know the preferences of each of those people hmm. where swami would pull him up and ask is it too bland for you you know <laughs> can we make some arrangements to get some pickles or something because really i mean that's that's really something which keeps coming back again and again as a sign of nobility you know when you talk about bharata when you talk about rama when you talk about lakshmana the amount of time each one spends worrying about the other being concerned about the other i think that is the truest sign of nobility and truest sign of culture which swami would always you know teach us and and many times in swami's uh, when swami is being hosted by some people Swami would pick out these things when a host has taken very minute care about what Swami likes or what you know Swami's entourage needs. Mm. Swami would always you know pick out that as something which stands out. And on the other hand, when Swami takes people along, especially in the 60s and 70s, apparently Swami would tell those people that Swami would get very upset if a guest asks for something. Mm. Right, you know, if you're being served something and you say, uh, if there's something not on the table and you ask for it, Swami will get very upset, because that again is not a sign of concern. Because as a guest there, you're not supposed to make your host feel uncomfortable. As much as the host duty is to make the guest co- feel comfortable. comfortable, right? <laughs> so it would be a two-way lesson. And yes, of course, I I forgot to mention that part. Even in this, I was ref- making reference to the visit to Hadshi. even before we could uh, leave prashantilyam swami was saying that the swami was describing the great extent to which they have gone to make arrangements so swami was saying that uh, they are uh, usually see they provide only you should you need only one thing but they provide air conditioner as well as fan two two things but just because <laughs> they provided don't put on both of them you know oh, wow. what kind of concern that is and swami would say about all everything has been so well arranged and in the end swami said that behave yourself and get a good name so as you rightly said it was not only about swami teaching how to be a proper host but swami would also teach about being a guest and it's uh, difficult to say what was swami you know was he the host was he the guest because he would do both to perfection and therefore i think it's best to say that he he is both right so i think after this what happens is you know we have sage vasishta who fixes the date for the coronation and and there are some very beautiful incidents which swami narrates in relation to the coronation itself mm-hmm. i think we are running out of time and we will not be able to go into that probably in the next week when we take up the second part of this fortnight's ramkatha swami we'll spend time in that 
episode of the coronation of Lord Rama and the beautiful lessons which Swami relates uh, in in conjunction with this episode in the Ramayana. Possibly we can just end by saying that uh, again it's so beautiful because when uh, the coronation has been announced, you know, Rama and Sita, they have been in the forest and so therefore even Lakshmana, their hairs are matted and you know, it's it's it has it's uh, what can I say? It's not been treated to the royal showers, and therefore uh, the hair has to be unmatted. But uh, the beautiful thing that we read in the Ramkathar Savaini is even before Rama can unmat his hair, he unmats Bharata's hair because as Swami described, both Rama and Bharata are looking the same. So it's again another beautiful. Uh, Touching act by Rama that he unmats and cleans Bharata's hair before getting his own hair unmatted and cleaned in preparation for the coronation. We will stop at this point, dear listeners, and uh, we will conclude with uh, a bhajan at the end. As always, your thoughts, your feelings, whatever you think, your feedback, you can definitely share uh, with us by writing to us at listener at radiosci.org and whenever and wherever possible we will incorporate these feedbacks into our satsang itself um, so grateful to Swami for this opportunity we offer our humble pranams at his lotus feet and at the feet of Bhagwan Hanuman who is present wherever the glory of Rama is sung so with that we conclude and the next segment of course you will be greeted by Brother Chandu in love to love